welcome to this Gas Gas Scout Report episode for Saturday's game against Swindon at the County Ground. I'm your host Tom Metcalf and I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Rich from the Loathed Stranger podcast. Welcome Rich. Hello and thank you for having me. Ah, Thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been a tumultuous week for Rovers. A 4-1 drubbing at the hands of Fleetwood cost Ben Garner his job. Um, breaking news, we're recording this on, on Thursday the 19th, is that Paul Tisdale has been appointed on a two and a half year deal about an hour ago. Uh, Swindon have also been in the wars. Uh, their last league outing was a 3-0 loss at home to Accrington, which leaves them in 20th place. Uh, Rich, I wanted to start first with your new manager. Uh, John Sheridan has come in from Wigan to replace Richie Wellens, who has left to manage Salford City. Uh, how have the fans reacted? Not well, I would say, is the, uh, is the consensus there, but not surprised as well. Uh, two weeks ago, I think a lot of people were saying, purely based on the fact that he was available and he lives in Wiltshire, that, that Paul Tisdale would be the ideal candidate. But it doesn't really mirror with what Swindon are doing at the moment. Um, it's a firefighting recruitment job for John Sheridan. It's only till the end of the season. I imagine uh, the owner, Lee Power, is trying to sell up in that time, which will probably be a good incentive for any future owners to be able to bring in their own guy. So John Sheridan's not told us what his action, you know, what his goal is with Swindon, but with the fans, it's purely stay in League One, anything else. Um, is 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 irrelevant really. I mean, we're not going up or anything, but we just need to avoid going down. Um, and at the moment, even though it's still very early, it does feel like one of those seasons. But he's he's been there and done that. But his his last few years, I mean, this is his fourth job in 2020 alone: um, Chesterfield, Waterford, Wigan, and Swindon, and that that really says a lot the guy's coming in he'll he'll do what he can but i i don't even think we looked at any other manager he's he's well he's in the network that swindon tend to recruit from and that's who we've got yeah richie wellens was he um did he jump before he was pushed kind of thing it's really interesting because i think he jumped he wasn't in any danger of losing his job whatsoever, but it's a bit rats leaving the ship sort of thing. I think he saw where the season was going. He can be partly responsible for that as well because we lucked out last season in many ways and he was responsible for the achievements that we did in League Two. But we, because of you know football in 2020, we weren't able to strengthen who we have brought in, haven't quite done it on the whole few have absolutely um and i think he could just see the writing on the wall whether we stay up or not he could see a season of struggle would dent his his ambitions as a manager and dropping down to salford who are a largely well hugely ambitious club um potentially it could only be six months in league two you know it's make or break for him but the only problem that we had with Wellens' exit is he tied himself in knots with contradictions about why he left. He did a, a fans sort of Q&A, which was quite odd. Um, 24 hours after he left, said he wanted to spend more time with his family. And then the next day he was on BBC Manchester saying he's not here to see his family. He's here to do well at Salford and all that. So you can imagine how that went down with, with many fans. But, you know, I, I think... Again, to answer your question, I think he 
weighed up the pros and cons, saw what could happen to his career if Swindon did, for example, have a season of pure struggle and go down and decided to do what was best for him, which that's lower league football, isn't it? Yeah, can't can't really argue with it. We had a similar situation with um, Graham Coughlin last season, where and exactly the same, where he kind of uh, did this bizarre post match against Ipswich, where he was like, oh, "I don't know how far I can take this team and all this," and kind of started bleating on about limited resources, and then kind of later on said he needed to see his family. And yeah, it's just he got sacked from Mansfield uh, a few weeks ago, so you know he's maybe that'll happen to Wellens, and everyone can be be happy about it. Um, the last game, as I mentioned, uh, was against Accrington. Um, realistically going to be one of the teams down there as well. A 3-0 loss is, you know, it's only November. And I'm not going to start talking about relegation six-pointers, but it's a big loss. Mm, yeah, it was really bad because it's it's cliched, but when you look at the fixture lists and you sort of, sort of scale down, you kind of see Accrington Stanley at home on a midweek or, you know, Atkinson Stanley at home, regardless, you don't even look at their squad and you kind of think, well, you know, that's your three points there and you move on. And we needed those three points just for morale alone, you know. Um, but what we'll probably, dare say, we'll discuss is Swindon have been masters of their own demise. We're not getting absolutely crushed by teams. We're doing stupid basic errors, which are putting teams in one, two goal advantages. And by the time we get going, which we never did against Accrington, but we certainly did the following, well, last Saturday against Shrewsbury, is that once we get going, we, you know, it becomes very frustrating. It's It's been really odd this year. It's It's not been great. And, so many of these goals we've conceded, I think we probably conceded more than any other team in this division this year. And the amount that come from errors is just baffling. And I imagine like that the coaches are ripping their hair out over it, but we're witnessing it. And it's just, just seems like the worst time to be rubbish because there's no one there. And one day fans are going to be <laughs> given the choice of whether they want to go back or not. And I don't know if the floating fans will be as keen. Of course, the diehards, they'll be there front row centre. Don't question that. But we kind of, with finances and things like that, we kind of need those two, 3,000 floating fans to, to sort of lean towards attending. And we're not playing in a very I-follow friendly manner at the moment. Yeah, I did watch the um, the highlights of your game <laughs> against Darlington, the FA Cup games. We, we've drawn them. And yeah, there was... Uh, yeah, a few mistakes in that one, definitely. Um, yeah, how? Yeah, talk us through the season so far. Like what? Like you've mentioned, maybe well, masters of your own downfall, kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. The Darlington was an odd one because you know we've lost to non-league teams in the past. Uh, to be honest, we've lost to non-league teams so frequently that it doesn't really hurt that much. And because Darlington used to be in the league, it, it doesn't feel like when when we lost at Histon, for example. Um, and I gotta be honest, Darlington weren't very good. They weren't very good at all. Usually, you know, I've seen Swindon lose against non-league teams that have played us off the park, but we we simply we simply were just. I think we were a little bit better than them, but we shot ourselves in the foot. It started all right the season. Um, we beat Rochdale, and I guess there were some warning signs in that because because we won through a few of our 
through errors of their own. So Rochdale were garbage when we played them on the opening day. And it, it started as like a win at home and lose away for the first week or so. Um, there was a bit of a grudge match, which has pretty much ended now because Blackpool no longer care because Wellens is gone. Um, that started over the summer because they signed... Well, they signed Keshi Anderson, who was a Swindon player. They signed a, a player called Jerry Yates, who we had on loan last season. And they were linked to four or five other Swindon players. But they were the, those were the only players that joined, but it created this weird little faux rivalry. Um, then we beat Burton, and that was all right. You know, a few sloppy goals conceded, but that was fine. And then we went on a poor run, lost at Peterborough, uh, lost at Wimbledon, uh, lost at home to Wimbledon, and lost at home to Sunderland. And then it's brought the current situation where, you know, Northampton, Errors, Hull we beat, which is, you know, when football just does that, it's like, well, that's the game that we expect to lose. And then we go and beat Hull. And then Plymouth, Shrewsbury and Accrington have just been bloody disasters. Just poor defending. It's all defending. Attacking wise, we're actually quite good. We've got some good players, Um, which is why it doesn't quite feel like we're down and out just yet but it's our senior defenders that are just letting us down we've got Jonathan Grounds um, who used to play in the Premier League with Middlesbrough he had like pretty much didn't play last season and he's playing like that at the moment Matthew Baldry our captain who, who was good last season but in League One he's not really not really stepped up it, it, it has been a matter of our senior players not stepping up and then our younger players just not having the experience to see it through and we are conceding goals at an alarming rate so so bad um i mean going forward i was looking through your actually we'll just go on to the next bit because um mm. basically i was looking through your squad and i could see some big kind of talents there like brett Pittman. i mean he's just quality at this level um, yeah, this is it. I'm kind of like, I'm looking at your squad, I'm looking at like Jack Payne and stuff like that, and I'm kind of thinking, how how has it gone wrong? Yeah, it's defence. It's, um, we had a goalkeeper on loan from Sunderland last year called Stephen Bender, and he did very well. I still sort of, he's almost got a mythical status with Swindon fans. I, I still kind of contest. He made a lot of good saves, but he didn't get the opportunity to be a match winner. I don't remember many games that season where I was just like that guy, maybe Northampton nearer to the end of the, the season before it was you know, suspended. Um, but there weren't many, but he was a very reliable goalkeeper. When a cross went in, you trusted him to hold it. His distribution got better as the season gone on and he was a good shot stopper. This summer, we looked like we were going to bring in Nathan Baxter from Chelsea on loan. And then there was a, you know, a negotiation issue and we brought in a player called uh, um, Mattia Kovash uh, from Manchester United and it's just not gone very well. You know, I'll defend him to a point, but I think he's given away more errors that have led to goals in the division this season than any other. And our reserve goalkeeper has been out for two years with a a broken leg called uh, Joe Fryer and he plays like a player who hasn't played played competitive football for two years and he gave away anyone would have seen you know Bristol Rovers are a mild rival they would have I'm sure his error against Accrington would have found its way onto social media feeds for Bristol Rovers fans and it was as bad it was as bad as it looked you know um and and we do as you say we do have very good players Jack Payne is playing out exactly how we were warned he would play out by Oxford and Lincoln fans that on his day, he's brilliant. 
when his day comes, you know, he is a one game off five, you know, one game on five games off sort of player at the moment, which is league one to a T Brett Pittman isn't winning the fans over. Um, anyone knows Brett, I mean, you guys know Brett Pittman cause he's play city, but um, he has got one of these sort of, uh, I've always joked that he's the sort of guy who would rather score a 35 yarder because it wouldn't involve him having to get into the box and, and do anything else, you know, but we needed him to be the Owen Doyle just to sweep up and get the, get the ball in, you know, into the box, him to tap in, and it just simply hasn't happened. Our best player has been Matt Smith by a mile. Uh, he's on loan from Arsenal. He made the news at the end of last season because he got an FA Cup winner's medal because they named him on the bench and he didn't play a minute in that competition, let alone the final itself. And he's joined us on loan and he's just leaps and bounds. He can thread the ball through. He'll be the one to watch. He's not a superstar like, you know, skills-wise, but he knows how to thread a ball through and... I, he must be so frustrated at the moment with with the way it's going. But yeah, it, we do have very good attacking players on their day. It's just It's just not happening defensively at the moment. It's very frustrating. One of the players I did want to ask you about, um, one of your defensive midfielders was Anthony Grant. Um, mm. According, this is it, I, I, I had a look on um, who scored and he, he was kind of one of your better rated players. I'm assuming he's, he's not, he's, getting on a base 33 now isn't yeah, he's he? been around the block yeah yeah he's... anthony grant is massively popular with the swindon fans he, he was player of the year last year he he wasn't our best player but he know he goes into tackles you know quite tough and that always wins the fans over always, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he was all he was very good i'm not you know but when you've got someone like owen doyle who equaled 80, 90-year-old records, scored so many goals in a row, galvanised the fan base is what he did. And, you know, but they went for the guy who knows how to put in a tough tackle. Anthony Grant in League One, where we are in the league is pretty much how his career has gone in League One. Very much a middle, lower League One side that he's played for. You know, he's got plenty of heart. He, he, He bloody committed to the cause, but... I don't really like sort of maybe criticizing Anthony Grant. He's been on my podcast. He, he was brilliant and he is so well liked, but a few people started to suggest that he should go in center back because things are going so badly. And he did do all right there last season as a, as a stop gap, but I don't think in league one that that work at all, but worse. We, we, we're at a point where we might have to, but yeah, he's, he's, he's hugely popular he got his that. I mean, Swindon's win, league win last year was his first medal. Um, so that sort of shows you the sort of teams, sadly, he's he's sort of been kicking about with over the years. But very popular. But it, yeah, as you said, he's getting to a stage where where we can't rely on him um, as much. He he lost his midfield central midfield partner Michael Doughty, who is just a phenomenal footballer. But he quit football to a uh, to uh, launch his sustainable trainer company. Yes, that is true. So you know it's going to be a rough season when one of your best players essentially retires to run a sustainable shoe company. But you know, never a dull moment and all that. No, it's, it's never dull. Never dull with Swindon. There's always always something going on. Yeah. Um, the last player I wanted to ask you about um, was Tyler Smith. Um, he was on loan at Rovers, um, and he he got kind of. 
he didn't get a huge opportunity at Rovers. He played, I think, 20 times, but a lot of those were from the bench. Um, and you could see there was a player in there. How's he been getting on at Swindon? Pretty similar, to be honest. Um, definitely a player in there. And he was becoming quite heavily relied upon early on because he was scoring. Um, he arrived at Swindon and Wet- Richie Wellens described him in the Muskway role. And what that means is he was going to be the, the bench striker. So he was going to be the centre forward that was going to come on uh, last 20 minutes, last 10 minutes and try and make an impact if need be. But because of our recruitment this summer, he ended up essentially being our number nine um, for various games. And he did okay, to be fair. He was he was looking good early on. And then just like every Swindon player over the last three years, they get injured right when we need them. Um, and and then he has, he's been out for a while now. So I don't think he'll be playing tomorrow. Um, but yeah, he, he's done all right. I imagine his season will play out in a very similar way to his Bristol Rovers one. But he was showing early promise. Yeah, so looking ahead to Saturday, um, could I trouble you for a score prediction? <laughs> well, we're not going to keep a clean sheet. There you go. You can you can stamp that, and in the next episode, you can either prove me thoroughly right or go, what does this guy know? Um, oh, man. Well, I don't think home advantage means anything for any club at the moment. Um, I, I will I'll take a draw. Uh, it really, we are really at that stage now. We've got such an important three games. Well, two with Lincoln in the middle. We've got yourselves on Saturday, and then next week we've got Oxford and Lincoln in the middle. I'd happily sack off Lincoln so we could focus on Rovers and and Oxford. It's just the worst time to be rubbish. <laughs> it really is. Um, you guys aren't exactly, you know, nailing it. Um, does a new manager bounce count if uh, if they've only been in 24 hours? I don't know. Some of them will be playing for their careers, I suppose. That's what we wanted to think with the Sheridan appointment, but it's not made a huge amount of difference. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Yeah, so we... So Tisdale's come in today. If he is in charge on Saturday, it's not going to be a lot of time with the with the players um Tommy Widgerton was in charge um on last night when we played in the um in the trophy and we scored four against the Chelsea under 23 so it doesn't really count so a 2-2 two, two, I think it could I think if okay. if we could be there it would be such because I I you know derbies even if they're kind of quite not to the point where they're like Rovers and City or Swindon and Oxford even playing Argyle, Exeter, Swindon, Cheltenham, anything local is just so much better. Um, and we get we don't get that kind of like derby atmosphere from I follow, unfortunately. No. I mean, I think in the terms of rivalries, I think if like this was the Napoleonic Wars, I imagine Swindon would form an alliance with Bristol Rovers to fight, uh, to fight Bristol City, if we're going to put that into context. No, it's... I'm, you know, it is what it is right now. Um, you know, it's clear that fans, to some degree, should be allowed in stadiums um, because it's just consistent with what's happening else. I, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not an expert. I've spent the last 10 months pretty much locked in my house due to family and things like that. So um, it's it's the games that when the fixture lists were announced, you kind of wish, hoped that they would hold back 
all the, the the sort of the big games to the end of the season even if we played like like it used to be in the 50s where we would play rovers away one week and then the next week we play them at home you know you, you would have hoped that they would have gone okay well let's get all the other fixtures out the way and then at the end of the season we'll have like a big run of derbies so in the hope that fans would be back but that takes planning um and they clearly didn't take any of that into consideration because it will feel bad like if we played you now in an empty stadium and then in the memorial fans are allowed in, I do think there is there is an element there of, you know, the goalpost changing a little bit. Um, I know that some of the Swindon senior players, they don't like playing in empty grounds, you know, and people can joke that you don't really get an attendance anyway, but but they do enjoy the noise. They enjoy the the abuse to a degree. They enjoy the the, the euphoria they don't enjoy playing glorified sort of friendlies really. And, and that's why it can be argued that our more inexperienced players, your Matt Smiths, who's in his first season and people like Akin Aldemeo who's coming from Reddins under 21s, they're our best players or our better players this year because they're used to playing in front of bloody nobody. Um, it's an interesting one. I don't fully buy it, but that's an argument that's out there. But it is you can fans are beginning to feel it now not being able to go and we're getting at that point now where i do worry that people will stop even putting their 10 quid down for i follow um because we are just so frustratingly poor and i'm quite an optimistic fan if i'm honest with you you know I, I, i'm listening to myself and i feel downbeat but it's you've caught us at an insanely good time it's just that you're going through a similar thing at the moment but I think you know Swindon's is more than just form it's 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 the whole the whole club needs a complete um we need new owners new manager half a new squad at least and the hope is we can achieve all that and stay in league one within the next six months to a year because it's it's it is what it is yeah, your suggestion for rigging the fixture computer to make all the derbies at the end of the season is just, now you've said it, it's so obvious. That's exactly what they should have done. That would have been incredible. Yeah, it would have been it would have been good fun as well. TV companies would have loved it. We'd all sat around and gone, oh, at least we don't have to go up to, you know, those northern outposts and things like that. And at the end, we're all going down to Plymouth, Bristol Rovers, you know, and, it, and just keeping it keeping it regional. I mean, it's it's someone will throw me like policing and things like that, and that's fine. I get that, fine. But it's it's it just it was clear that the season wasn't going to have fans in it for a large segment, you know. And and I I think they just pressed the button and they just went with what was there. I, I don't know the ins and outs, and I'm probably you know doing a huge disservice to the poor people that do the fixtures, but. It, it didn't seem like logical really it seemed like a normal fixture list Oxford early on and then a bit you know that that's always happens and it just nah it's it's it, it, it just I, I mean I, I'm not entirely sure the season should have happened anyway given the way it's gone I probably if we were top of the league I'm sure I'd be completely different considering Swindon and benefited from if you were the top of the league you'd be like stop the count yeah, stop the it. count as they as they say now and it was kind of it was kind of bashful winning the league last year. I would have happily said no trophy. These th- these four teams or these three teams go up because we were so close to Crew. I would have happily played them in a one-off um, winner is champions or us 
um, and crew in, in Plymouth in a mini league. I would have happily done any of that just to make it more definitive. Um, but we got it. We did deserve it to a degree, but it just, it, it's just so this year it's been so tough for EFL fans. You know, there are a lot of worse things happening in the world, but like I said, before we started, this was supposed to be escapism from the blooming awfulness of this year. And it's just, just adding to it. It's just adding to it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and on that glum note, I think uh, <laughs> we've reached time. Oh, um, man. <laughs> thank you very much uh, for joining me, Rich. Yeah, um, pleasure. Oh, pleasure's all mine. And thank you, Gasseds, for listening. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, I can highly recommend uh, Jack's chat with Jake Barber about his time as the official Rovers vlogger. Uh, you can find that episode wherever you're listening to this one. And all that's left for me to say is up the gas. Awesome.